What's up fam? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Brown Girl White Coat Podcast. It means so much to us that you guys keep coming back to listen to our episodes. So today's episode you have me, Aaliyah, and I will be interviewing an amazing, amazing, amazing physician today. She is a powerhouse, super inspirational woman a mom, a wife, and a fourth-year OB-GYN resident, Dr. Karanza Shahal. And today we will be discussing the culture of medicine, why the culture of medicine is the way that it is, ways that you can take care of yourself while you're in residency especially, and we also dive into her writing slash editing services, Mindful Medits, and she discusses a little bit of how she uses that as like a creative outlet for her as well. So it's some really good content, a really easy listen. I like to keep things pretty lighthearted, but also make sure that we touch on really important topics. So I really hope that you guys enjoy the ride. And also I would like to make a little disclaimer. Although I have a physician on this episode talking about her personal experiences with residency. This in no way, shape, or form is going to paint every residency experience and every residency program with the same brush. So I do want to be very responsible in the content I am putting out there and remind everyone listening that everyone's experience is going to be different. Every residency program is going to be different as well as every pre-med experience and every medical experience is going to be different. Our goal is to just advocate, spread awareness, and if this experience does not apply to you or if you do not share the same opinions, that is completely valid and understandable. I want to thank you for giving us the time to listen, but it is very important that we make that clear. If you are interested in hearing more about the culture of medicine, burnout, and ways to take care of yourself and also learn a little bit more about our amazing guest, Dr. Karanza Shahal. Please stick around. All right, everyone. I am so ready for today's episode. I'm so excited for our guest, Dr. Karanza Shahal. She's amazing. She's an ob resident, and I'll have her go ahead and introduce herself. Thanks, Alia. I appreciate it. I've been really excited to be here. So I'm Raquel Carranza Shahal. I am a fourth year OBGYN resident in Virginia. Um, I'm originally from Tucson, Arizona, where I was born and raised. I did college there and med school there. And um, I'm first generation Mexican-American. So I strongly identify with my Latina roots. And now I'm a mom of two and just looking forward to the next 23 weeks until residency is over. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited. I don't know why I thought OB-GYN residency was five years, but it's four years, right? Oh, please. Please don't make it five. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Just four. Okay, and awesome. And every fellowship is mm. every fellowship is a little longer. Most are three, so uh, are you interested? Road. Are you interested in doing a fellowship? Well, funny. You ask, because when I applied to OB, I, I was like 100%, I'm going to do REI, which is reproductive endocrinology mm-hmm. and fertility. And for those who don't know, it's, you know, it's like interesting endocrinology issues um, and things like IVF and conception. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's all I'm doing. I'm only ranking programs with REI fellowships. You know, you know how in medicine or pre-med, mm-hmm. it's like, you're like kind of right. neurotic and tunnel yeah. vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And you tend to actually get rid of opportunities that are probably better for you. But, you know, here we are. Yeah. And so I was like, for sure, I'm going to do that. And then you get to residency. And not only are you like overwhelmed by like the amount of work that you have. For me, at least I was like, I, this is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Props to anybody else who like would like to continue the life of a trainee beyond a residency standpoint because like for me I need to just be done I need to get out there and like be sort of have like autonomy again yes um but also I think I love REI physiology and the science and I'm still going to do most of that as a private practice OB in six months um minus like the IVF because a lot of that to me felt like very cookie cutter Mm. it's very much like hello it doesn't really matter what your whole story is let's set you Mm. up on the cycle and get you going and I didn't like that I thought it's kind of reductive and Mm. less creative so so here we are yeah so here we are well I'm so excited to have you here today Uh, I specifically wanted her here because she's uh, she does have an Instagram page it's mindful of med and she talks very openly about the culture of medicine so we're definitely going to be getting into that today for sure I'm really excited but right before we jump into that I have a little segment we like to go over with all the guests so the first thing I want to talk about is your highs and lows so you can start with your highs or your lows right now in your life and um just let us know what's the best part of your life and what's kind of the lows right now that you're going through uh all right wow that's a great question yeah <laughs> um like I, t- I like to tell my four-year-old you know there are no there's no bad days yeah you know we're alive we get to be together every day mm-hmm. is a good day and I have that to say her sad. kid is the cutest <laughs> kid like you've inspired me my son is gonna have long hair I'm just saying it right now and it's your fault <laughs> Well, he loves it, and I love it. It's adorable. It's adorable. I mean, side note, I did trim it one day when he was like 10 months old, and my husband didn't speak to me for like two days. Oh, no. (laughs) It's beautiful. But sorry to interrupt. He's since grown. No, you're fine. Um, But I think there are lows and highs, and right now, some of my highs are like, okay, I'm almost done. Mm -hmm. Um, I have boards to take in 23 weeks. And I have like several other projects I'm working on in between them. So time is passing quickly. And that's like the best part because me and my husband, who's like my been my partner through all of this, like when we got together when we were 20, like this was always the plan. So like this is like the light at the end of the tunnel for us. Um, And then as far as lows, I think that's a great question. And it's pretty timely because me and like uh, one of my co-residents were talking like this past week when we were on labor Mm -hmm. and delivery which is like a very hard rotation Mm -hmm. you know six seven days a week 13 hour days it's really grueling and sometimes especially like this time of the year midway through the year you're like wow like can I even like get through this year of residency it seems endless like is what I do even important because like at the end of the day residents like exist to make other people money and it's like all on your back and you have very little, I don't even know, like it's like a very minimal sense of value to what you do, even though you know you're vital and yeah. nothing would function without you, For but sure. you're still made to feel small at every turn. So it can be very, wow. as you can imagine, very yeah. painful. Oh, so I, I think a lot of residents right now, like midway through the year are just like, wow, damn, am I even going to make it through this year? How can I do this for like three more years, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I was there like two weeks ago and then, and then little things, you get little, 
you know, I think they're called like God winks, little reminders of mm. like the things that you do that do matter. And it doesn't cancel out the entire like culture of medicine, but it does help. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree with you. And it's, it's crazy that you mentioned that. And it's, it's why I really wanted to do today's episode is because now I'm starting to get that feeling of like, residencies approaching and it's usually six mm-hmm. days you know six days a week at least and so for me I'm like like because I'm off right now I'm on vacation and so yeah. I'm, like, I'm like I'm never gonna have this ever again and so you get this anxiety of like oh man July hits it's gonna be it's gonna be rough so today's episode's gonna be important I think we're gonna <sighs> get through some really good content um and then uh the next segment I wanted to talk about was the one thing you think we all should go and get right now Oh, like you mean like product. a product? Yeah. A product? <laughs> hmm. What's the one thing we all need? <laughs> sunscreen. Always Ooh, sunscreen. Yes. Even in yes. the winter. People wear your sunscreen. <laughs> she has great skin. So listen to her. <laughs> if you haven't started wearing sunscreen, you got to do it now. It's hard to catch up. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. I, you know, we do like to start with those segments to just get everyone loosened up a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, I do want to talk about the culture of medicine. It's something that um, really sits sits with me a lot. And I think about a lot mm-hmm. because especially residency, when I think of culture of medicine, there is a lot of issues with pre-med cycle, with medical school itself and how med students are treated, right. especially on clinicals, which we'll probably touch on a little bit. But since mm-hmm. you know, you've been a resident and I think residents get it the worst out of all three, um, is, yeah. is why do you think the culture is the way it is? Why do you think we are you know, overworked? At the end of the day, we are being trained, I understand, but mm-hmm. how is it reasonable or how is it uh, realistic to work so much, you know, the cap is 80 hours a week, but why isn't the cap 60 hours a week? Why isn't the cap 50 hours a week? 80 hours is ridiculous. Right. So, um, yeah. and most of us work more and remember Alia, it's averaged over four weeks. Yeah. You get a lot, you get away with a lot of more hours. Wow. Um, no, I think you make a lot of good points. I'm trying to remember in my head, like to touch on all of them. So like, okay, why do we have this quote 80 hour cap, which is technically averaged over four weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. so it was Libby Zion in New York city. She, her dad, thankfully is a lawyer and unfortunately she passed away, but she presented to a New York emergency room, um, with serotonin syndrome from one of her mental health medications. Um, and the very tired residents who had been there for God knows how long um, saw her, misdiagnosed her, and she ended up passing away. And why I say thankfully her dad was a lawyer is because he kind of, while, while the residents taking care of her were sort of maligned and made to seem, you know, evil and negligent, he really took it upon himself to say like, no, these were actually like tired residents mm-hmm. talking to an attending who was cozy in their bed. Wow. didn't come in and my daughter lost her life so there has to be some repercussions and that's why our hours got capped to 80 but it wasn't all specialties at first I think it was just four it's like medicine peds and I can't remember the other two just to try it out wow. so when you say like why isn't it 60 why isn't it 50 like that's a great point and in Canada and a lot of Canadian residencies I think they're capped at 48 wow. same thing in in Europe like in the UK. So there are more humane caps to where you're working like a normal person. But in the States, like I, one of the things I always say is like institutions don't change out of the kindness of their hearts. They don't have hearts, they have pockets and they have financial risks that they weigh every single day. 
So like, how do you change that? Literally bad things have to happen to people. And when residents, you know, I think about this often, it's like, okay, I want to say like my patient volumes are too high. None of us are going to be like, oh, prove that I'm drowning and actually need help. I'm going to make sure, you know, I only do what I can. And if somebody, if a patient gets hurt, then that's fine. Like, no, we're going to kill ourselves yes. before we try it, before we consciously let some, a patient yes. get hurt. Exactly. So you'll see that like a lot of things that actually do happen, like you might get, I don't know, um, some new device for your department, maybe another staff member it's literally because these things happen even if it's like a near miss or an actual event which opens your institution institution to liability and then somehow people find funding so nothing really you can advocate every day and I think a lot of us are thankfully but the big changes come from legal pressures yeah I was always wondering if there's something we can do. I mean, obviously advocating is important. And I think there's just so many of us doing that, but there's also so many people that are scared to advocate, but it's like, my thing is, is, you know, can we go and advocate legally for this? I don't know. You know, it's, it's scary to me to think that like, Oh, we have to wait for something bad to happen for Mm -hmm. something to change big uh one of the biggest things I can tell you like as when in your fourth years at the end of your third year looking at programs is like so you should ask residents like could this program or could like a certain rotation function with one less resident without someone Mm. having to get pulled because like the big so like for OBGYN the big things when you know you're going to go to a program that's going to work your you know your butt off Mm -hmm. um and you might be a little miserable will be like high MFM uh, exposure, high volume, high acuity. And those are all like very sexy words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but really it means like it's resident run and this place does not run without residents and you will feel, you will know that. Wow. But how would you know that unless you have someone in that field yeah. to tell you? So like that's like demystifying residency experiences is like a whole mm-hmm. other issue. I don't know. I think advocating as a medical student is hard like you said because you're still you're in a very vulnerable place residents are too um but like your leap the leap from student to resident like your entire financial well-being and like the trajectory of your career still depends on that but yeah being like too vocal as far as like against an institution as a student is very very tricky yeah being vocal like in terms of like you know white coats for black lives like bigger movements is yeah. still sometimes frowned upon yes but those are bigger movements you can attach yourself to as opposed to like my institution is like really yes. toxic so yeah. and then even as a resident you but like for me and like everyone else who's like been in my position you like really have to weigh mm-hmm. weigh what you're willing to essentially like sacrifice in ways you have to protect yourself and like I have I've learned so much and I wish like everybody knew what I knew now. And I wish I knew what I knew now when I was like an intern, it would have saved saved me a lot of pain. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But, you know, I think at the end of the day, there's so many people that just don't know what to expect. And that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, things like this exist, like podcasts, people are on YouTube talking about this. Uh, And I think it's more so just to educate people and also just open the doors to things that people would not have otherwise known about. Um, But, you know, I think another thing that I want to ask you about is, you know, what can we do, like, in terms of 
taking care of our mental health and our physical health during residency? What have you done uh, to be able to get through residency? You know, especially for me approaching residency, you know, I'm going to be working a lot. And at the end of the day, like, until the ACGME makes like a change, yeah, until it makes a change with the, the hour cap, you know, we're going to work these hours, right? So, um, I, you know, what can yeah. we do to take care of ourselves? Do you have any tips and tricks of how to survive residency? Uh, pretty much whatever you've learned that you can share with us. Ooh, so much, Alia, so much. Yeah. <laughs> Let's okay. get started. So, first of all, uh so for I mean I think the biggest thing for me like I started my blog in like 2012 before like before I did Instagram it was just a blog and I think that was a good outlet in med school and everybody's just like very neurotic and hyper focused on mm-hmm. like getting AOA and all that I was like oh like that was when I first started tapping into my creativity because a lot of us pre-meds are now physicians like we all we grew up thinking like we were just like very much like science-based but we're actually like creative people yes. and I think you, that gets stifled and being a creative person who enjoys like playing, you know, not in the traditional sense, but like Brene Brown describes it as like just experimenting and enjoying life and learning to knowing to relax and explore and the balance like in between those like leads to a more fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, in residency, I got more creative. I like grew my blog and my Instagram mm-hmm. and, um, and then and now like in the projects I'm doing and like my my nonprofit and it also like blended together with my advocacy and truly truly like it's my family like when I became a mom I started residency when I was like I had a nine-month-old son wow and like uh like everything changed for me right like as I became a resident I was like wow like I'm treated like absolute garbage <laughs> like but I'm someone's mom so how are you gonna tell me this little person who loves me knows that like my whole world revolves around him so how are you gonna tell me that I don't have any value like that's absolutely not true so I think bringing that feeling into like this space where you're made to feel very small was like very I always I just say it's like a cognitive dissonance like you know one thing is true but everything else tells you the opposite so I was like that's not right so mostly pairing my creativity with my advocacy and seeing where it took me was really good for me. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest thing is to like actually know your self-worth. And I think that can be like a, I mean, now it's commercialized, like self-worth, self-care, but truly like fundamentally look into the things that actually make you valuable to yourself. Yeah. And what you find um, important to you. And I think you, yeah. you say that you say that all the time, how your family's number one. And so I feel like you pull a lot from that. And it, yes. the, I, at least based on what I've seen, I feel like you pull from that a lot. That's kind of what keeps you going is your family. It's true. And, and when I say her family, yeah. I mean her kids and her mans. They're just the cutest. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like this whole structure like thankfully I've been able to a lot of like my plans have come to fruition you know things don't always work out perfectly but like this was my set out like plan in life and so far things have worked out and I'm so thankful to God Um, and who am I to like not be grateful for that and like see like I don't know for me at least like the destiny in that so sure yeah and I do everything for them because when they're older and I tell them about my first year first and first like one and a half years of residency where it got to a point where like 
my husband and my dad were talking every day because I, I was just like so sad I was like a shell of myself to the point where they were both like okay like if she needs to like not be this resident anymore like she should do that you know wow. so like I owe it to them I want to tell yeah. Noah and Nora when I'm older that like at least hopefully I made a difference or tried to Aww. and do you think that it was them like your husband and your dad that got you through that hard time or did yeah. you do something that had to push yourself out of that I think they I mean my dad has always been like my biggest I don't want to say supporter but he always saw me as like an individual mm -hmm. since I was little and he let me know that and I like to do that with my kids now and then and then my husband is like my partner he's my equal so he's always like I think they gave me enough space to explore what I needed even if it meant staying in residency but also like options without mm. judgment oh, wow. so like it took maybe some pressure off you think yeah exactly you're like oh, yeah. no Alia like I know now like because of that dark time I know that you know when people take their life in residency like I, there was a moment sitting in my car when I was like there's really no way out I have like hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt yes like you can't get out either way like you get out okay you like ruin your family financially forever you blacklist yourself like what do you do right wow. and switching specialties or residencies isn't hard and I was like I can I can understand why people make like that impossible choice because there's it like the the alternatives are not necessarily like options and I remember reaching out to one of uh, like a well-known like Instagram like physician influencer I won't you mm -hmm. know say their name or anything yeah. but I remember reaching out like at my low time and being met with just like this like toxic positivity like you mm -hmm. always have a choice <laughs> oh, and at gosh. the time I was like oh my god okay like I guess I have choices but they would like ruin my like life as I see value, in it. Wow, wow. <laughs> you know? And like, that's not what I'm here to tell anyone else. I'm just like, give wow. yourself time to explore. You want to switch specialties. I'll help you sort of navigate that. Like you can leave, you can come back. But I think, and that's a good point. I want to make Alia like the, yes. the Instagram space is mm -hmm. like super toxic yes you have a lot of you have a lot of these like you know like whatever more well-known prolific influencers yes. who are mds and one a lot of them are already attending wow two they're like probably barely millennials they're like at wow. the end so they come with like different values than us wow. in that sense of like what's important what they're mm. willing to fight for and what they can tolerate mm. So like, I'm just like, man, you know, yeah. a lot of these like pre-meds and younger people looking up, I'm like, no, like you're missing like this entire gap of the rest of us that are still like wow. hustling really hard. Wow. Just like, wait for us. Yeah, we're coming. We're coming. <laughs> we're coming. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And you know, I see that a lot and I've actually had to block medical influencers because I'm like, if this person pops up in my Instagram explore page one more time because it's just like, oh, I worked, you know, <laughs> 75 hours this week, but, you know, I'm enjoying my one day off and I'm going to make the best of it. And it's like, no, mm -mm. I'm like, this is not normal. <laughs> yeah, because I know, I know I'm going to have that one day off, but you better believe I'm going to sleep in half of it. Maybe, maybe not cook. I don't know. Maybe eat out, maybe no. sleep in some more, <laughs> like, you yeah. know? 
like so. yesterday this is my first like weekend off in a little I don't know god I don't know how long but like a full weekend and um wow. I took like four hours of naps total yes. with my baby it was you on one day to. it was you great have <laughs> you have to yeah and you know I think at the end of the day there isn't any concrete thing we can do but um I think the biggest thing I take away from this at least is that you if you're going to get through residency, you need to have a strong support system. Um, And, you know, I have that in my family, you know, you have that in your family and um, you know, hopefully the ACGME takes initiative and hopefully without having, you know, without anyone having to suffer for us to get there, hopefully that, you know, maybe the hour caps will change it. I don't know. I mean, I hope, Um, I don't know, but, but yeah. But until that, <laughs> until then, we're going to do podcast episodes about physician burnout and how we can take care of our physical and mental health to survive. Oh, my God. Like the resiliency <laughs> training is like the oh most garbage thing I've ever heard. Oh, my gosh. What, what did I hear? It's like, how do we train, you know, residents to be more resilient? I was like, okay, number one, that is literally just code for when someone takes their life. It's like we did these check. That's like that's all wellness is in residency, by the way. It's just like repercussions and financial risk. Like none of it's actually there for you. I was like, okay, like how about if you actually worry about like resiliency, why don't you like recruit it with like a more diverse like class and that, you know, with like life experiences. They don't want that, Alia. Um, uh, But yeah, like for me now, like as my, as a fourth year resident, like the culture, like for me has changed a lot. And I think it was more so kind of, every program is different but like I'm currently in a space where like I actually really love my co-residents and there's more mothers and it's more Mm. like it's less toxic and a lot of it was just waiting for people to kind of like age out sort of thing Mm -hmm. and um, it also just like being the type of person like you wish you had like you have an appointment you should go you want to go see like a daycare like I'm gonna let you go during the day Uh, or as like me like I remember being in intern and Noah my husband calls me and I'm on like OB days which is like a hard rotation Mm -hmm. and my husband calls me he's like Noah can't breathe he's turning blue he's coughing so much and I like I like lose my mind I'm like what's happening Mm -hmm. you know and my husband's like okay let's we let's I'm gonna take him to the emergency room which is right next door it's like the children's hospital Mm -hmm. so I like tell my chief like I really have to go and you know and they're like, okay, but you have to be right. You have to come right back. You can only go for an hour. And it's just like, oh, no. now knowing what I know, like if my intern came to me for that, I'd be like, I'm taking your phone, like take the day. It's just between us. Like you don't, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's just like unnecessary. And it it's, really like changes yeah. your whole world. Yeah. And it's, 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 you know, that you make a really good point that it's your co-residents too, you know, when you have a, a good, uh, you know, class of, of people with the same values, then yeah. it's like you said, like they'll have each other's backs. And I will yeah. say, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pleasantly surprised with my interview season. Granted, I will say that, you know, you can only see so much during an interview, but I mean, there is yeah. so much just innovation that I've been seeing in programs where they're trying to, obviously they have to work around the ACGME requirements, but it's like, they're trying to incorporate like different types of like curriculums that um, different kinds of scheduling where they can try to give people weekends off and things like that. 
That's great. Um, and yeah, That's I've been great. seeing that. And I think it's like you said, it's about the whole aging out thing. Once you get people in that genuinely care, like if the actual administration cares, then, then I think that's the only way we can make some progress. And obviously the change has to come from the top, but um, until then, you know, we're out here hustling, like you say. <laughs> oh, I agree. Yeah. We're out here hustling. We're just out wait for us. I know, just <laughs> wait. <laughs> we're on our way. Um, yeah, but you know, you did you did mention, you know, the creativity as being an outlet for you. And I have to say, like, I am obsessed with your editing service. Like it is amazing. It's so cleverly uh titled. So Mindful Medits <laughs> um is her editing service. She's amazing. She helped me edit my personal statement. Like it took it from like a five to a 10. Like it was just so good. She knows what she's doing. And so what made you start writing? Where did you develop this talent? Or was it something that you just had in you all this time? Oh my God. Anna, mm-hmm. you're so nice. You always so many, so many. About my editing. <laughs> no, but so many of my classmates used it. They were like, what did you use for your personal statement? I'm like, mindful minutes. Here you go. Enjoy. Oh and it's so good. It's like, <laughs> she's amazing. And everyone told me that, you know, they loved how you edited it. So that's so sweet that makes that means so much um I just I really like writing since I was little you know when you're like in middle school Mm -hmm. and you're a little bit emo and you're like writing your (laughs) poems (laughs) I think that's when it started and then in high school I really fell in love with like rhetoric in my Mm. AP like composition class and then let's see I think in college I mean I had to apply to a lot of scholarships Uh, Mm -hmm. for college and medical school so a lot of that came from those and I mean I'm first generation like Mexican-American the first person in my family like get through college and like I navigated higher education like all by myself and I remember so I grew up in a like a lower middle class maybe like in an area that struggled in Tucson like if I had gone to like the high school I was supposed to go to a lot of those kids like didn't graduate Um, and I remember being in middle school And just like thinking, like in my head, I knew I was going to be a doctor since I was like five years old, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, what's my next natural step? Like, okay, go to like the best high school I can find. Mm -hmm. So I like signed myself up for like one of the wealthier high schools in Tucson, but it was out of district and my mom drove me there every day. And so I think it it was just more so like, because I've had to navigate things on my own, Mm -hmm. I was like, I need to help other people do that too. And yeah. Now in residency, I think that was one of the things that was like part of my creativity to just like help me get through this like challenging time in my own life. And I think when I have read residency like applications, I don't anymore, not since I started editing because I didn't think it was appropriate. But Mm. I'd see like good applicants, especially like, you know, Black, Indigenous, like people of color, like Latino people. And I was like oh like this looks like a really good applicant and I'm sure there's like a lot more to their story but like the writing just isn't there and a lot of people will read the app like their personal statement be like oh this is like poorly written and just like move on I'm like no like there's so much more there and I want to increase like like you know diversity and inclusion in medicine because like that is like literally how you change this whole landscape is by including more of us including more moms and parents and people of color so I was like all right I'm gonna do this I'm just going to do essentially what I've been doing for like my family and myself and see if anybody will like, you know, would need my services. And so like the best thing I like about my services is like, I'll try to get to know you 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I have certain prompts that will like help me get to know your story more. Cause I think a lot of what people write in their personal statements is coming from like very true, like very like emotional places, but then they like water it down to like fit a certain mold. Right. So, so the biggest yeah. thing I see for like residency applications is, you know, the first paragraph is like, uh, like a patient encounter that they had. And then, and then they talk about why they like their specialty based on clerkships. And at the end, they're like, this is why I want to do it. But it tells me nothing about them as a person. Mm. Every residency application lo- looks just like that. So like, wow. let's see what makes you special and bring that out. Because at the end of the day, when you're reading applications for like residency as a resident, and even a program director, like you clearly are coming from a medical school. You're going to be like, at least like qualified in that sense what kind of like person are you? What kind of person are you going to be with your patients and your co-residents and what do you have to offer the world? So that's what I like to know. And like, I like, I love getting to know people through their, their stories and their words. And then, I mean, I see like every piece is like a puzzle. So it's really fun for me. And I just like, I don't know. I just love to see how it ends. Yeah. And, you know, I've actually had multiple program directors and residents tell me like, you know, it was your personal statement that made me keep, you know, reading your application. And that to me held a lot of value because it's like you said, we're just all a bunch of papers and they, yes. every app, every residency gets like at least what a thousand plus applications. So many. So where, where are they going to, you know, where are they going to draw the line with who they interview? And I think the personal statement is really important. And for anyone listening, that's applying to whether it's medical school or residency or any grad program that takes a personal statement, like really put that time into your personal statement and don't be afraid to be yourself because that's another thing. Like sometimes we want to, like, like you said, make it fit a mold so that we go to a certain program that we want but like Mm -hmm. honestly just put it out in the universe be yourself and wherever you land is where you're meant to be honestly like you know if you just put on like a fake face to get in somewhere specific and you're it's probably not right for you you know it's definitely not right for you and it's only gonna hurt you yes and honestly when I saw my my edited statement, I was like, wow, this is me. Like if I were to give yeah, someone, so you know, a rundown of who I am, it's it's the statement. And so it was oh. scary to be so, you know, open and, and just, you know, especially being an Arab woman in medicine, it's so scary to always, you know, look like I'm trying to play the the minority card, but it's really yeah. not. Like that's genuinely my experience. So I just oh, want to thank well, yeah. you. <laughs> You're wanna, welcome. Yeah, I want to thank you for being an amazing editor. So that was it's great. And you guys, if you ever need uh, any kind of editing services for any kind of personal statement, or I mean, you edit almost anything. You've edited other stuff for me too. Like you, yeah, <laughs> like I feel like if it's right, it's written. You'll edit it. You know, um, it's, it's written. I'll edit it. Yeah. And it's mindfulmedits.com, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, Thank I'll you. I'll be putting all that information um, in the description along with her Instagram as well. But um, wow. before we finish, I did want to ask you. Yeah. So I actually mentioned this in the last episode that I had. It was that the ACGME has now approved six weeks mandatory maternity leave for women and that to me was just insane I'm like first of all why did it take this long second of all um you know how did everyone navigate it before that um and you know if you have any like little tips or anything just like a kind of 
a summary on your experience on because you know you had a kid entering residency and then you had another baby mm -hmm. while you were in residency and uh, how you navigated that although it might look a little different than it will for future moms but I can't imagine yeah. it would be too drastic of a difference well I know isn't it crazy that there's just like six weeks is what is now standard but that's new right yes and um so I did a research, I had my project in residency was um, a survey of, I tried to capture 160,000 current residents and fellows, but I got, um, got like 940 something responses okay. and they were all moms or, and I think like, uh, I think like 10 or less of them were men. Um, I didn't limit it because, you know, not all mothers are genetically like male or yes. female, um, but I think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do like my own podcast yes. or something or like oh, just a website on just that study because yes. a lot of the things that in the last like two, three years that these people have experienced are just like worse than I could ever imagine really. And it's like currently happening. So like you, you have like two week postpartum leaves when they're like program directors just like harassing them to come back. And it, like a lot of it was like inadequate maternity leave, right? So thankfully, now we have that from the ACGME. But the problem, Alia, is like now specialty specific, they can say like, oh, like six weeks away from training, quote, is like too much time and you need to extend. And a lot of people would be like, well, I don't want to extend because then I mm -hmm. can't start fellowship. I can't get a job, all this stuff. But I had uh, my baby last January. She's almost one. Aww. and I was planning on taking six weeks and I had my son when I was a fourth year med student so I like I was mostly home with him like until he was like nine months right so like I every night I would just like stress out and like be so sad that I was going to leave my six-week baby at home mm -hmm. um, and then like one or two weeks into my maternity leave last year the A so ABOG which is the sort like the board certifying house for OBGYNs in the country said you can take 12 weeks uh, in one year without having to extend your training. So yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm definitely doing that. It was like a surprise and I was so thankful for it. Um, and I think, uh, I think it has to be 12 weeks across the board, which is still nothing compared to other countries, but 12 weeks would be like the next step to advocate mm -hmm. for, for every single specialty without extending training, mm -hmm. even for like surgical specialties. Um, so I don't know I think be understanding what your rights are especially as like a pumping or like lactating person that's where a lot of my advocacy has come from like you are allowed to pump say like you're in a case you're in surgery you're literally allowed to leave you can say I have to go pump and they absolutely have to let you residents might be like afraid to say anything or might say like oh okay never mind and it's like no like at the end of the day like it's your kids you have to like answer to for the rest of your life like you're never going to regret doing right by them I want to thank you so much for chatting with us today uh it, it meant so much to give us time out of your busy schedule to just shed some light on some important topics um but before we end today is there anything you'd like to wrap up or any last minute words you'd like to share um anything mm. at all oh. Well, no, I just want to say thank you. This was really fun. Yeah. It gave me like, no, it gave me a time to like a, a moment to like reflect on everything I've learned, like yeah. in residency and how much more I just want to share. Mostly like my passion lies in like protecting women who want to become parents or, you know, 
just mothers in medicine mm-hmm. because that's just been my experience and um if anybody has any questions about like raising a family or wanting to become pregnant or like in medicine or like any sort of pushback they've gotten just like reach out to me I can help you navigate those those spaces yeah I think you even if you do know your rights you you still 100% have pressure and that's where I think that yeah that's where the waters get muddied because it's like sure that's my right but are you really going to ask a superior that you're scared of you know it's like that's why change needs to happen just not just you know externally through law but also internally in the culture needs to change and again it goes back to like what we started talking about the culture of medicine Mm -hmm. and it won't change until again said people that are not toxic enter these fields and you know just I think it was like two weeks ago I had an interview and I was literally talking with a PD about BLM literally just chatting with her like we were it was great. I was like, wow, like how amazing is this? That I mean, she was so passionate. She was like, I don't understand why this is a partisan issue. Like she's over here ranting about it. Like she's so mad. And I'm you know, like, you know what, Alia, you know what, you know who the OG like advocate is the pediatricians. Oh, wow. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're the ad, like they're the backbone of like, yeah, there's just an advocacy. But yes, yes. go on. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, no. You're, you're <laughs> right. And honestly, I can't even say anything because for sure, everywhere I've interviewed, I, I can't think of one place that I think is toxic. I mean, they're they've all been, you know, amazing. And I think sometimes I'll say something and someone will be like, oh, that's only because you're in peds. Like, it's not like that in surgery. It's not like that in OB-GYN or it's not like that in et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that breaks my heart. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think all we can do is just, you know, keep speaking up every, if every resident speaks up, eventually, you know, we're going to get somewhere. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I don't know. Well, you know, I think, well, no, I think a lot of it is one understanding that like, you don't have to ask anybody to exercise any of your rights. You've got to go pump. You say, Hey, I'm going to go pump. Mm. And that's it. And truly, actually this year with Nori, like my baby, I like, actually get like two male attendings that I was like really surprised became like advocates in that moment for me like for one I was like I need to pump and I don't there's like no start like surgical assistant like that's coming they told me they were going to send one and they're not here and he was like listen this this is unacceptable they need to replace me he's like you just go I will do this and I he he was like my ad so sometimes you just need to give people an opportunity to I don't know about benefit of the doubt because then you might get hurt but like I'm just saying like, you can give them opportunities to be uh, to be kind and if they don't then you need to be just fine without it wow, <laughs> wow. But, um, but I love that I'm so happy that you had that though that's so I mean I it, it's like it should be there it's almost like you don't expect it when you do get it it's like so refreshing um, yes it is and I was like wow okay I know I know <laughs> and um I mean yeah. if I would have told intern me sentinel events that like set off my whole trajectory and like what will define my career in medicine was like this old guy who's now retired but like he said like you know I don't think women physicians are with children are as good as those without and then he threatened my fellow like me getting a fellowship all this stuff and like I ran to like the one female attending that I had like already met because this was September right I like went to her and I was and she had a kid so I was like oh like she'll understand and she was like oh like he didn't mean it that's just how he is and I was like oh like okay not everybody's going to be a good person to run to and that's the thing Alia sometimes it's not about like uh, waiting for these people to leave because 
there's always going to be someone like even in your own cohort who's like ready to adopt and like even like further perpetuate all of these like narratives so it's more so about like you coming into residency and I mean you as like the royal you like you for like fourth year students out there like when you're like with your co-interns like if you can give each other a break to go to the bathroom to eat like establish that early you know Um, it's just about being the person you wish you had yeah and and you know I do agree with that because something that I do is on every rotation I always had at least one attending or one resident that would never eat like it was just a thing and I would always be like hey like I'll yeah. you know mm-hmm. go, you need to go eat you need to do this you need to go eat lunch and it's almost like they look at me like I need to eat like you know they forget sometimes and so you're right I you know I'm gonna be that resident for my co-residents wherever I end up um I need to eat <laughs> yeah like hey I'll I'll watch uh, you know whatever you need me to watch or, or I'll stick around out here go take your break go go have lunch yes. uh, you know and maybe it'll be repaid maybe it won't but I think it's really important you say that because although we do hope change will happen, essentially we only have control of ourselves. And if exactly. we change, if I change, if Aliyah, you know, Al Naji changes and is a good, healthy person to be around in work, and then you know mm-hmm. you change, and then the next you changes, the other you changes. It's like hopefully you can make it a healthy environment in the workplace. So exactly. Yeah. That's yes. what I'm going to take into residency. I'm going to try to be that resident for people. Just and, be that person. Yeah, yeah, I know. Ugh. So, um, but I do want to thank you so much for your time. It means so much to oh me. Oh my God, thank you. Um, I'm so excited to get this out to the public for everyone to hear. Oh my gosh. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much you. for having me. Of course. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, guys, that is going to conclude today's episode. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for continuing to come back and listen to our episodes. I'm so excited you guys got to meet Dr. Karanza Shahal. She is a fearless, amazing, powerful woman, yet the sweetest soul ever and such a pleasure to talk to. And I'm so glad you guys got to meet her. Please, please, please follow her on Instagram at mindfulofmed. And there's no underscores or anything. It's just the words mindfulofmed. She has an amazing page, really amazing content, and is always remaining honest about her personal experiences with medicine and residency. So with that, I thank you for making this podcast a part of your day, wherever you are.